Hi, this is Anson Williams, and you're listening to the amazing TV Confidential. On a sidewalk, Sunday morning, uh Ed Robertson, welcome you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that's happy to bring you part two of our conversation with five-time Emmy Award-winning producer, writer, director, and the godfather of reality TV, Mr. John Barber. John Barber, uh, creator, producer, and one of the original hosts of NBC's Real People. John's memoir, Your Mother's Not a Virgin, The Bumpy Life and Times of the Canadian Dropout Who Changed the Face of American TV is the story of how John willed a career for himself in the entertainment industry, sometimes despite himself, uh, while also serving as a reminder that sometimes it's better to be liked than to be talented, and that you really can find strength and redemption through the love of a good woman. Your Mother's Not a Virgin, available softcover and as an ebook through Trine Day Publishing, as well as Amazon.com, where books are sold online. This particular segment with John airs for the first time on the weekend of Friday, April 24th. April 24th being your birthday, John. Let's begin by saying happy birthday. Oh, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. You'll recall from last week's program that we were just beginning to talk about John's career as a nightclub comedian in the mid-60s up to the early 1970s, including the very instrumental role that Red Fox played in John's life. We'll talk some more about John's nightclub career later on this segment. We'll also eventually get into the backstory of real people. But before we do that, John and I started off talking about what's on all of our minds these days, the national lockdown and sheltering in place. When uh, I was uh, doing producing real people and as one of the co-hosts that you mentioned and the principal writer of the show, one of the first people I hired was a fellow named Mark Russell. Does that name ring a bell? With yeah, he, 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 was, he was one of the great American satirists of the latter 20th century and was a resident uh, satirist on PBS. That's exactly right. He was out of Washington, D.C., played the piano and s- sang these very, very funny political songs. And uh, I loved them, so I booked him to appear periodically on the uh, show. The other guy that I admired when I was growing up in the uh, 60s was a fellow named Tom Lair. Does that name ring a bell? Uh, yes. Uh, local radio station in San Francisco growing up used to play Tom Lair albums every weeknight at 10 o'clock as part of his nightly comedy hour. So that, that is how I first learned about Tom Lair. Yeah, probably one of his most famous songs was called The Vardican Rag. He yes. was a graduate of Harvard University. And what was astonishing, he was an international nightclub star doing that. Even though he did not sing that well, the the stuff he did was funny. And then before him, and you may not remember this guy, a Danish pianist by the name of Victor Borga. Oh, yeah. Uh, Victor Borga was a brilliant pianist, and uh, uh, he was a great enunciator. And that was also part of his act. Yes, his his most famous television routine was punctuation, yes. which is which is hilarious, and you can still find it now. And anyway, I was a huge fan of these people. No, I wasn't musical. I didn't play. I went tone deaf when I was sixteen years of age when my father deserted us, and I just shut down. But in any event, when I worked with Bobby Barron. I was his opening act at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas. As a matter of fact, Bobby and I were the last act before they destroyed the building and tore it down. In any event, between the first and second acts, 
I, I would uh, sit in his dressing with, room with him, and I would begin to write funny lyrics about some of his songs. And he just absolutely loved it. So when we would get together for gatherings at his Malibu Beach home on weekends, he would sit down and play the piano, and I would sing lyrics to some of his songs. It was a huge hit. Anyway, the other night, it was a week ago, as a matter of fact, I was re-listening to the greatest version of Mac the Knife I ever heard. I'm nodding. <laughs> and of course, it's Bobby Darren. It's better than Sinatra and better than Ella Fitzgerald. Yes. And I couldn't help it, Ed, but these weird lyrics pop back up into my mind. And so what I did is I sat down and I wrote five funny verses to Mac the Knife. And, it's, and if you go to YouTube... And Google it. It's called John Barber Talks and Sings About Lockdown. It is really funny, and it's got a great payoff at the end. Now, I don't play the piano that well, and I don't sing that well, but anybody sounds better than Bob Dylan. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll play a clip of that for you right now. John Barber's Lockdown song set to the tune of Mac the Knife. Oh, this virus has me locked down just with my wife food on the shelf but my wife says stay six feet dear keep your washed hands to yourself it's a bummer what can i do i feel sexy and so lewd John Barber's lockdown song set to the tune of Mac the Knife. You can hear the song in its entirety on John's YouTube channel, John Barber's World. John Barber's World on YouTube. John Barber is our guest this hour. John Barber, creator, principal, writer, producer, and one of the original hosts of NBC's Real People. John is joining us today via Skype. John's book. Your Mother's Not a Virgin, The Bumpy Life and Times of the Canadian Dropout Who Changed the Face of American TV is available in paperback and as an ebook through trinday.com as well as amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Once a week, John reads a chapter from Your Mother's Not a Virgin. Those excerpts are available for free, and you can also find them on the John Barber's World Channel on YouTube. And then speaking of lockdown, uh, Easter morning I woke up and what I saw on television was uh, a bunch of people beat up a guy in town here because he wasn't wearing a mask. And I said to my wife, so much for social distancing. And then I went out to go to the market. And one of the biggest supermarkets here is something called Albertsons. Yes. It's, it's like an airport hangar. And outside... They had six feet apart, painted red footsteps on the ground where we had to stand before we could get in. There would be a lot a hundred people inside. Once we got inside, you got to get in line to get out. And you know what it felt like to me? I mean, aside from the fact, I mean, this is a 24-hour town, Las Vegas, yes. where I live. Yes. Where you live, Los Angeles, maybe it's a 14-hour town. <laughs> and when the, when the lights go out in Las Vegas, it's like they go out all over the world. Yeah. It's like we're living in Rod Serling's Twilight Zone. But I had the funny feeling that it felt like America had declared war in itself 
that the 1% needs to sneak attack on the 99%, and the 99% without firing a shot or uh, without uttering a word surrendered and just been went, went back into their houses and shut the door. I will tell you a couple of things about this, and then I'm going to tell you a couple of things about my some of my funny friends. One of the things that people are going to discover when they find out that they're in their homes by themselves, Ed, is the worst company that they can have is themselves. It is very, very tough to be alone. And I'm going to tell you in a, little, in a minute why I am flourishing under these conditions because I feel like I've been in quarantine every day of my life. <laughs> like, but, you know, you have husbands and wives in this country, and that's about 70% of all people, all couples working in America. Husband and wives have to have two separate jobs yes. to support two cars, two kids, and the mortgage on the house. Most of them are asked to stay home or ordered to stay home or work, to, uh, or work at home. This means that I feel that divorces will increase faster than the virus. Mm -hmm. And maybe in nine months, there might be a few bursts as there were in the New York blackout yes. a, a few years ago. But the valuable thing about this, if they pay attention, these people will realize there are a lot of other people and a lot of things that they do in their life that are absolutely and totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. So when this is all over, my suggestion to them would be never bother with people or with things that you used to bother with just to pass the time. Yeah. Only spend that precious time with the things that you give you joy and the people that give you joy, and then I'm telling you something, Ed, they will discover absolute true happiness. It was in them from the very, very beginning. And a lot of couples will soon realize that sex is just a temporary vaccine against boredom. <laughs> to find something else to do. But I said that I've always felt like I've been in quarantine every day of my life. And I'll explain to you why. I was born in the charity ward of the Salvation Army Hospital. And as I mentioned in the first show, my father, did, it was so terrible in our household. In 1939, when I was six, he joined the Canadian Army to get away to the peace and quiet of World War II. <laughs> and my mother brought uncles into the house like grapes. They came in, came in bunches. So coming from that kind of background, I felt absolutely, totally alone. And quarantine. And from the time I was six years of age, I was mostly out on the streets. I was, if I wasn't in jail, I was at a hockey rink. I was in, in the library, always alone. Now, when I left, when I was 17 years of age, as you saw in the book, I had $600 in my pocket and got a train ticket to go to Las Vegas because I was going to be a professional gambler. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm on the train. I'm, I'm in the country illegally. So now I feel quarantined because is the immigration service looking for me yep. or the Canadian police looking for me? And when you get to be a gambler, which is a very uncertain life, you're not sure that you're going to make it. You feel more alone. Now I end up 
as a stand-up comic because my hero is Jack Parr in television. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he opened the show doing a funny monologue, and yes. I always wanted to do a talk show because I didn't know people talked mm -hmm. until I saw a show. I just thought they yelled at one another, cursed one another, hit one another, so that's what I wanted to do. Now you become a stand-up comic. There is no occupation in the world tougher than being a comic. I mean, if you're in the army, you've got a gun, mm -hmm. and you've got a million other guys with guns on your side. And if you're a singer, you've got an orchestra or a piano player you can lean on, but not if you're a comic. So I felt quarantined then. One of the things that I did in my act was I used to do funny stuff about movies, mm -hmm. inspired by Lenny Bruce, yes. who was the best at it, okay? Then I became the first person in America to review movies on television in the town where if I'm going to be honest about it, 90% of what they do is crap. Yeah. So if you're going to be honest and funny about it, being funny was easy for me because it was like a defense mechanism. Sometimes I felt I was re-channeling Shola Malekum or Mark Twain when I do you. <laughs> so now I'm talking about people and directors and producers who could hire me. And I know they wouldn't hire me, so now I'm more quarantined. Then I create real people. Now, real people, is, I was dubbed the godfather of reality television, and nobody understood this show except the creator, who was me. Yeah. And a year before I got it on the air, I had this interview with Maury Gelman at uh, Friday uh, newspaper because I had the project originally at ABC, and they passed on it. When I wanted my uh, Byron Allen to be Richard Pryor, and they passed on it. But in any event, I said to him, if I get this on the air, this dropout from Canada is going to change the face of American television with what I call the entertainment of reality. Yeah. Now, in a town where all of the people are either writers or actors or directors, here comes a show where they're not needed. Nobody's going to, if reality is successful, they're not going to need these people. Yeah. So now I feel even more quarantine. And then again, years later, when I try to tell Jim, I'm chosen by Jim Harris mm -hmm. to be the Oswell to tell his story in what turned out to be two definitive documentaries. Yes. And he was the most reviled man in the United States in a hundred years in the media and the government. And here I am, his Boswell, trying to tell his story. Nobody, I mean, if Jim Garrison felt bad, I felt even worse because now the, the, it went, wins the San Sebastian Film, Film Festival Award. It's a monster hit around the world, and nobody will distribute it in the United States. And I realized how alone I was in the middle 80s. I got to do two weeks late night on ABC, mm -hmm. and it was funded by Bristol Myers. My ratings on ABC late night were equal to David Letterman's. Yeah. And Bristol Myers wanted to fund a late night show that ABC would not have to pay for in order for me to, it was called The Barber Report. Yeah. And I put on people like Frank Zappa and Harlan Ellison, I mean, a fantastic guest on the show. As a matter of fact, you can see some of these on my, my site. 
the uh, interview with uh, Frank Zappa has had 180,000 views in just a few months. I mean, it's startling. So there's no cost ABC, and they say, no, we're not putting John Barber in the air. It's too controversial. Um, so we come to this lockdown, and everything that has happened in my life is just a rehearsal for what is about to uh, happen next. And I think what is about to happen next is not very pretty at all. John Barber sharing a few thoughts and uh, perspective on uh, the quarantine that all of us are going through right now. John Barber, creator, principal writer, principal producer of Real People. John is joining us today via Skype. Ed, can I ask you a question? You can ask, this is the John Barber program. No, no, it's your, but I'll ask you a question because you've probably seen this uh, on your Facebook or emails from your friends. They're all saying they can't wait to get back to normal. Yeah, but normal, you know, what we call normal will never be normal. Because okay, then let me ask you this question then. Do you think the United States has ever been normal since November 22nd, 1963? when they shot down John Kennedy in public in Dallas. It has never been normal. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the Vietnam War, remember how the Vietnam War, I don't mean to get so political or philosophical. Uh, I am not a political pundit at all. But ever since I got my green card, you know, I was deported twice. Mm -hmm. I had the best uh, immigration lawyer in America, Sidney Kaplan in Los Angeles, who told me, you will never get back into this country. You, The laws are specific, and you can't change the laws about your two convictions when you were in Canada. So get used to that, but I'll do the best I can, because he was a top investigator yeah. for the Immigration Service. And I spent eight months in the University of Toronto Libraries. I became more of an expert on immigration law mm -hmm. than anybody in the country. And just by... In a, I've told you that I'm non-religious. I lost my religion when I was 12 years of age because I used to pay, pray for my father to come home. He never came home. So I, <laughs> I gave up the prayers, you know. And the minister said to me, when I told him I was giving up prayer, he said, John, why are you giving up prayer? And I said, well, I come here every Sunday for 13 weeks. And I, I, I rush home and I pray for my father to be there and he's never there. So I'm giving it up. And then he said to me, John, you must understand God's will. I don't know where it came from, Ed. I just blurted out, I don't think I'm in his will. Well, <laughs> it was like a, a defense mechanism to me. But my my life, I hate to say this because it, it's like my life was almost predestined. Yeah. I mean, I've had the most magical, divine things happen to me by accident. I mean, in becoming Sinatra's private writer, getting real people on the air, meeting Jim Garrison, having a son and meeting my wife. But all the disasters were the things that I planned really, really, really well. Or or they were planned or the machinations that that were in place were going on without you realizing it. Whatever it was, you know, and I can only I can only report the facts that you'll read in the book because I have a number of fans who are very devoutly religious. There's no question about that. And they all say to me from reading in the book, there's some kind of divine 
intervention in your life. And as a kid, uh, haunting the... Oh, by the way, when I finally got my uh, citizenship papers, mm -hmm. uh, I, the reason I say that, one of the places that I had to stay when I was deported the second time was the YMCA. I had a room at the YMCA, and they had a small chapel there. And I used to go into the chapel, but I didn't go in to pray, especially out loud, because I would have felt like I was a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. But in my thoughts, I think I was praying. Yeah. But I was uh, praying for the Immigration Service to change their laws. There was no way I could get Congress to introduce a bill to get John Barber into the country because he could make contributions to the society. And I wasn't a nasty scientist. So I couldn't get the government to put me on a operation paperclip and bring me in to design missiles or munitions. I had to somehow have the intellect to be able to convince immigration to reinterpret Canadian law. Mm -hmm. And I was successful at that. So when I finally got my green card, every election since then, I had predicted the winner. And it's not because I'm a political pundit. It's because I was a comic kid. And the person you're talking about who got the most laughs always lost. And a year, just weeks after Trump announced that he was going to run for the presidency, when he was literally a walking joke. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you tune into Bill Maher and Real People, he got an ovation every time he mentioned how dumb Trump was to think he could become president. Mm -hmm. The entire mainstream media said Trump was never going to make it. It was going to be Hillary. And I told my friends, Hillary's going to lose. They thought I was nuts. And I said, no, she's getting the biggest laughs. Trump will become president. I said that a year before he became president. I have successfully predicted it all. Now, it's very difficult to make a prediction about what is going to happen. But I will tell you this. It will not happen in the voting booth. The Vietnam War didn't end because some politicians said it would end. The, it, the Vietnam War ended, God, I, hate, I hate to say this, but it's true. It is because there was a draft and upper middle class and upper class and middle class white kids were coming back in body bags. So millions of people took to the streets in 1968 in Chicago when they rioted and they got bloody. It was Americans voting with their feet, democratically on the streets, shedding their own blood that got the system to halt the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Now, Mark Twain said 100 years ago, if voting made a difference, they wouldn't let us do it. <laughs> the system, this system, which I believe is totally corrupt since, since before the murder of John Kennedy, yeah. I mean, look at television commercials. 90% of them are pharmaceuticals. And the first 10 seconds of the commercials are, this is how it helps you. The next 20 seconds are, Side effects. in case you die, yeah. this is, you call your doctor. Yeah. I mean, in Europe, these are not allowed. And they shouldn't be allowed here in Europe. My son was just there doing a series or trying to do a series for Netflix in Spain when they got shot down by the uh, virus. But he said, Dad... You can't get soft drinks with sweeteners or sugar in them. And you can't get stuff with corn syrup because that's 
Oh, sugar is a poison and corn syrup gives you diabetes. This system needs to change. Yeah. And it will not change in the voting bill. But that being said, let's get to something a little lighter. And we'll do just that when we come back from break. John Barber is our guest this hour. John Barber joining us via Skype. John Barber, five-time Emmy Award-winning critic at large, creator, principal writer, producer, and one of the original hosts of NBC's Real People and the author of Your Mother's Not a Virgin, The Story of His Life and Career. We'll take a quick time out, and then we'll talk some more with John when we come back on TV Confidential. Buying or selling a home can be one of the most stressful things we'll ever do in life, but it doesn't have to be. And no one knows better than our friends at Front Porch Realty Group. Their community of realtors serving the Northern Bay Area of California that cares about their clients as individuals first and foremost. Whether you're a first-time buyer or looking to lease or sell your property in the Bay Area, Front Porch Realty Group will help you through this important transition by providing you with the right information for your situation while lessening the pain. They also work with a network of realtors throughout California who provide the same high caliber of customer service. Call Front Porch Realty Group at 415-886-7411 for a realtor referral near you. You can also visit their website, frontporchrealtygroup.com, for more information on the services they provide, including upcoming workshops and seminars. For more information, call 415 415- 886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com Front Porch Realty Group They'll find the solution that works best for you. Want a free first ride with Uber? Uber, the mobile app that connects you with a ride at the touch of a button in minutes. Enter promo code TV Confidential after you download the app to receive your first free ride up to $20. For more information, go to get.uber.com forward slash go forward slash tv confidential one more item if you find yourself working from home these days and let's face it we're all working from home these days and are looking for a simple way to operate your business by phone you might want to check out grasshopper grasshopper the new virtual phone system designed specifically for entrepreneurs grasshopper works like a traditional phone system without any of the hassle that's because you don't have to buy any hardware or install any software. Everything is done virtually. You can manage it online or by phone. That means callers can reach you wherever you are, any time of the day, on your cell phone. Check out trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV confidential to check out how it works. With Grasshopper, you will sound more professional. You can run your business from anywhere while keeping your work life and your family life separate. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV confidential and save $50 on your first order. You get a toll-free or local number for your business with multiple extensions. You can set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world, as well as send or receive text messages from your business number, get voicemails emailed to you as audio attachments, and a whole lot more. Plans start as low as 12 bucks a month, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV confidential and save $50 on your first order. That's trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential. Trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash 
TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.